Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Shit. Do I have a choice? Do I have a choice? I just want to win games. Winning takes care of every category for an athlete. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. And today's Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is also brought to you by Varun The Truth, who is today's Patreon sponsor. To thank you to Varun The Truth, Mr. The Truth, for being today's sponsor. And if you want to head across to Patreon, you can become a sponsor of the show as well. Patreon.com slash RedRock underscore B-Ball. My name is Josh Lloyd and you can find me as always on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Just a quick thanks before we get into everything to the people who have sent me in music to use during the uh, interlude of the show. Um, still happy to take more submissions from people if you've got, uh, if you're in a band and you want some music played on the podcast, feel free to do that. But, uh, we'll be, uh, putting a few new songs on just in that little interlude as I transition between, uh, seasonal and, uh, and daily. And in the audio only version of the podcast, I have been cutting that song out, but because I've got some new, new music in, maybe I'll let that, I'll let that music run for a little bit and give those guys some exposure. Listen to the podcast who do have some bands as well. So, um, Shout out to those guys who have sent in music and will be uh, debuting a few new songs over the over the coming weeks. We're going to talk about all of Thursday's action, not that there was a great deal with just the three games on, and then get stuck straight into the 10-game Thursday that we've got coming up. So let's get to it. To it. All right, that's a good idea. The monstrous line of the night goes to, of course, it does, Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell didn't shoot well, 12 of 36, but he had 45, 8, and 4. He hit six triples. He had a steal and a block, and he was massive from the free throw line where he went 15 from 15, which is such a big category turner to get you 15 free throws and hit them all. That's huge. Russ has now worked his way up even in 8-cat value, so rotisserie-type scoring. He is the third-ranked player. There was a stage earlier on when he was like the sixth or seventh guy in 8-cat value. He's lower in ninth, but... In nine cap, but he has improved that area mainly because he's improved his field goal percentage from where it was earlier in the season. But he's the third ranked player now, and over the last month, he's the number one ranked player, and that's not even including head to head numbers. We know how good he's been: thirty-one, ten and a half, and ten over two threes, which I think is almost one of the things that goes unnoticed with Russ. He was at one point three triples per game last year. This year, he's at two point three. That's a massive increase, and he's shooting 5% better from beyond the three-point line as well. He'd been under 30% Derek Rose territory for the last two seasons, and he's now at 34% this season. So really improve that, and he's getting to the line three more times per game and hitting those at 84%. So that's how we've seen. So yes, the triple-double average is fantastic. You know, the 31 points is fantastic, but these other little things that maybe go a little bit under the radar, the increased volume, the increased free throw percentage, the increased three-pointers, which have really helped his value this season. So Russ is your monstrous line of the night once again. The waiver wire line of the night is also the young gun of the night for the second time 
I think, in the last week. Alan Williams of the Phoenix Suns, 16 and 12 for Big Source. He didn't hit a three, of course. He didn't have an assist, but he did have a steal. He did have a block, and he was seven of nine from the field, just two of four from the line. Now, Williams, in two of the last three games, has played more minutes than Alex Len, but there's been four games since Tyson Chandler's been removed from the rotation. Len played more minutes in two, and Williams played more minutes in two. Now, Williams has now scored double digits, though, in four consecutive games. He's had double-doubles in both of those games where he played more minutes than Alex Len. He's blocked four shots in the last three games. He's looking like he's a guy that, in very much the Kylo Quinn sort of a mold, a guy that when he gets minutes, the stats will come. I'm still not 100% sold that he is going to get more minutes than Len on an every-night basis. I don't think that will be the case. But even tonight, where he had 16 and 12, he still only played 24 minutes. Yes, it was marginally more than Len, but it was still just 24 minutes. I like what he can do. I like what he can do in minimal minutes. Over the last month, in per 36 fantasy rankings, he's the 23rd ranked player. Look, that's obviously impressive, averaging 20.5 and, and 14 and 2.3 blocks and shooting 63% from the field. That's fantastic. But I still just do have some reservations that he's going to play you know, 26 a night. I just don't think that'll be the case, but that doesn't mean that he shouldn't be owned, and I would be looking to grab him in a lot of spots. But there are so many of these big men who are available you can talk about a guy like Alan Williams. You can talk about Rashawn Holmes in Philadelphia. Just these players who are who are around, who are getting this extra run, who are producing in you know, 23, 24 minutes, making them you know, interesting pickups. You know, Billy Hernan Gomez is the other one. These other two guys, Holmes and Williams, are much more productive on a per-minute basis. But does that account for the fact that they likely get fewer minutes? It is a tough one. And in the end, most of these decisions you make, it's a coin flip. You could grab Williams, but then as we head into this part of the season especially, you're doing it exclusively based on, well, not exclusively, that's the wrong word, because you're doing it based on need. Okay, what does my team need? You're doing it based on upcoming schedule. If I add these guys, will they play? You're doing it based on opponent. Am I losing rebounds no matter what? Am I losing blocks no matter what? What do I need to beat my opponent this week? What do I, who, what does this guy's schedule look like? Does he play four games or three games? Do the four games or does the majority of the four games come on light schedule days so I can play him? Because adding someone when they play four games and all of those days come on, all those games come on days when you don't have an empty roster spot, then it's a, then it's a useless add. And we're getting to the point where there's no more stashing for the future. We're in, you're very close to win-now mode. A lot of leagues are already in their playoffs, as they should be. You should be getting really close. If you're not in playoffs, you should be getting pretty close to them by now. And you need to start looking on a week-by-week basis. And with these decisions, with these guys, there's never going to be a definitive right one or wrong one because things are going to change on a daily basis. So it's more about who's here for which day, who's who's available on on whatever day that I've got an open spot, how does it match up against who I'm playing? How does those guys' stats hold up against who I'm playing? All those things are really important when you're talking about fantasy, and they do go a little bit under the radar when you're looking to come into the playoffs. Because it's not about you know, overall value. Is something that I talk about all the time as being a bullshit concept because because it is a bullshit concept in my in my point of view. There's no such thing as overall value. If if you're losing rebounds and blocks every week by yeah, 60, 70, 100 boards a week. What does Alan Williams' overall value mean to your team? It means nothing because 
you're still not going to compete in that category. And you've just, and, and yes, he's got great value. Fine, whatever. But it doesn't matter. You're looking for specific categories. You're looking for specific um, needs and you're looking for matchups against specific opponents. And that's the way you should be looking at everything. I really like to start narrowing down punt strategies at this point. If I punted one category, I go two or three and, and really start honing in on where I'm going to beat my opponents. Because again, all you have to win is 5-4 in the playoffs. You don't have to win 7-2. You don't have to be yeah, balanced and, and maybe I can win 9-0. It doesn't matter if you win 9-0 or 5-4. As long as you win, that's all that matters. And the more you can insulate those categories and make them so that bad schedule or injuries doesn't actually impact you, the better it is for you. But again, it all comes down to looking at your opponents, looking at all those different things. There's lots of different factors associated with it. So Alan Williams is your waiver wire line of the night. He is also, as I said, your young gun of the night, given it is just his second season. The dud of the night goes to another big man, and that's Robin Lopez of the Chicago Bulls. Wasn't a great night from Lopez, 10-3. and He was 5 of 15 from the field, and he blocked a shot. Only played the 22 minutes here. Lopez, he... He's struggling. I think that's fair to say. He's the 145th ranked player on the season and 172nd over the last month. I've been saying for quite a while, I don't think that he's a must-own guy, and that's just continually being reinforced at the moment. The Bulls closed with Cristiano Felizio in this game. Lopez wasn't on the court to close out the game. Yes, this was not an ideal matchup against the Warriors. We talked about that yesterday. But if you look back over the past games that Lopez has played, 22 minutes, 26 minutes, 21, 36, 27, 21, 23, 23, like these aren't big numbers. He has grabbed a total of seven rebounds in the last three games, three blocks. So not even helping in the blocks category, averaging 10 points across those three games. If I had Robin Lopez, I would grab Alan Williams. That's a fine move to make. But again, it all comes down to how does your team look? Do, do those, do you need blocks? Yeah, really badly because yeah, okay, Alan Williams will give you more blocks, but would Alan Williams and Robin Lopez really help you to win that category? I'll talk about that a, a little bit later on when I'm talking about some other some other players based on a few questions that I had uh, come my way today. But yeah, Robin Lopez, the dart of the night, I'm not thinking that he is, I definitely don't think that he is a, a must-own guy any longer. All right, let's go into these games now. We'll talk about them in a bit of extra detail. There were only three on on Thursday. The first one, the Warriors and the Bulls. The Warriors hadn't lost a back-to-back regular season game since April 2015, but they were coming in to take on the TNT National Television Bulls, who have now won 18 consecutive Thursday night home TNT games, which is the most ludicrous stretch in the entire NBA. This was... Such a weird game that I don't even know how much you can take out of anything that happened. The Bulls hit some threes, but the last the last quarter, what was it, like 15 to 14 points? The Warriors couldn't hit anything. They were 20% from three in this entire game. Steph went 2 of 11. Clay Thompson went 1 of 11. They had shots that were going in and then coming out. It, it was just a very, very weird game. So... Any hot takes you see about the Warriors, they're in trouble without Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant's a huge loss to any team. Of course he is. But this was just such a weird, weird performance with the Bulls going down and then Rajon Rondo coming in and sparking a comeback. The No one hitting any shots at all in the fourth quarter. Just weird stuff all over the place. Now, Draymond was fine. 12, 8, and 7. He had two blocks and two threes. And Steph's line is 
good too. 23, 6, and 5 with 5 steals. But you don't expect Steph to go 10 of 27 from the field or 2 of 11 from 3. Just a weird night. Pat McCaw started in place of Kevin Durant. He played 29 minutes. You know that I like Pat McCaw. This is a good line. 11, 4, and 2 with 2 steals and a block for Pat. It was on 80% shooting. He was a little bit hesitant out there at times to shoot, even though he hit 4 of his 5 shots. But this is not a situation where he becomes a must-grab guy. The other guy that a lot of people were saying, oh, he's a must-grab guy, is Matt Barnes. He played 12 minutes and took one shot and had two points and nothing else. He's very, very far from a must-own guy. He'll be better than this. He will play more than this. But this is not the guy that you want to go and grab and, and think it's all going to work out. Andre Iguodala had 10-7-2 in his 26 minutes, while Clay just the 13 points with pretty much nothing else. One rebound and one assist. He has been... A very odd player this season. I think that's probably the nicest way of me putting that. Onto the Bulls. So much weirdness here. Rajon Rondo came on in the first quarter, had 3,003 turnovers in about three minutes, and then was banished until he came back in the third quarter to turn this game around. Ended up with 8-3-3 three, and three in 13 minutes, and just goes to reinforce that we're never going to have any idea what the Bulls are going to do with the point guard rotation. There was still no Michael Carter-Williams is dealing with a knee issue, so when he comes back, I've got no idea what they'll do. We had Cameron Payne play 13 minutes and look pretty poor in this game, and Jaron Grant played 13 minutes and went 5-1-1. One, and one. So the Bulls had three point guards, and not one of them played over 15 minutes. We saw Jim Butler and Dwayne Wade handling the ball a lot because uh, Paulie Zipser was back, enabling those guys to push down a position. So yeah, Rondo can be streamed for assists, and you could own him if you... Yeah, looking at those matchups, as I touched on earlier, I want some assists, but there's going to be so much fluidity in what these roles are. Jim Butler had 22, 5, and 6 with 4 steals and a block, and actually started going back to the line as well. 10 of 10 in this game after, I believe, the last game it was that he didn't go to the line at all. And Paul Zipser in his return, 9 and 4, including a clutch 3 in 23 minutes. His return did limit what the point guards can do, and reduced Denzel Valentine's minutes, who went scoreless in 14 minutes, and that's Probably a Fred Hoiberg is pretty much settled that Zipser is his sixth man, and what a weird, what a weird sentence that is at this point to say that if we had heading into the season that Paul Zipser is going to be the Bulls' sixth man, he's going to be hitting clutch threes to uh, win games against the Warriors. I'm not really sure that you would have been uh, believing it, but that's exactly where we're at. Chris Felizio closed the game for Rob Lopez, eleven boards in his twenty-six minutes. And Jaron Grant had five points in 13. Nothing to see there. Now, the question that everyone wants to know is about Bob Portis. Because Portis played 31 minutes. He had 17 and 13. He hit two triples. He had a block. And the numbers do really stand out as being great. But, and there is a but, he still is not a good player. He still... He still struggles. Now, he was on fire in that first half. He had three points in the second half. And that's that shows what he can do. Yeah, he turned it on for a half, and then he really struggled in that second half. But that's two games in a row where he's got big minutes and limited Nikola Mirotic, which frustrates me because I still believe that Mirotic is the better player, and I know that Mirotic is the better fantasy contributor. If you want to go and grab Bob in a 12-team league, sure. But like we talked about with any of these situations, his role is fluid. It's up and down. If he plays in the first half like he did in the second half, then he probably wouldn't play 31 minutes and get a chance to put up those numbers. And it would be back to those first two games without Taj Gibson where he played only 17 for the game. That's just the reality of it. 
they weren't going to close with Bob Portis in this game until Campaign had a couple of bad turnovers and then brought Portis in with a few minutes left. So there is still a lot of um, a lot of uncertainty with this Bulls rotation, but that's a good night from from Portis. But remember, he's a points, he's a rebounds guy. He doesn't get steals, he doesn't get blocks. He normally has poor percentages as well. So he's fine, but he'll just be a guy that I think you just stream through and you just move on from and you grab someone else for a certain day, and that's fine. But on days like this, he's a good ad. As for Miritich, that's two poor games in a row, two low-minute games in a row. At this point of the year, cup eight, move on, grab someone new. Let's just churn through them. Let's just keep keep the guys rolling. Let's just keep the players moving on because if he's not getting a consistent 27-minute-a-night role, then he's not worth it. The next game, the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, got a lot of questions coming through. Maybe, maybe should I take on some of these uh, questions? Diego Cervantes, Danny Green or Josh Richardson? Diego, if you're playing in a 12-team league, the answer is neither. Neither of them have been steady enough. I think Richardson's got the highest ceiling at this point. Um... But yeah, neither of those guys are at this stage. Diego also asked a question about tomorrow, which I'll get onto later on. Lance Thomas or Levert. We'll talk about that later on. And Vlad says, Nurkic would like a word about your young gun pick. He's not eligible for it. You've got to be in your first two seasons. He is in his third season. That is why Nurkic did not get the young gun of the night, Vlad. But you are right. He was uh, he was fantastic. All right, let's go back to the games now after addressing all those uh, questions that flooded in that I didn't see. All right, let's talk Charlotte and Phoenix. It's a terrible loss for Charlotte, and honestly, it's a terrible win for Phoenix because it pushes them to equal with the Lakers now for that uh, second seed in terms of playoff lottery balls. We'll start with Charlotte. Frank the Tank started again, played 32 minutes, and then hurt his shoulder down the stretch. At this point, we don't know the severity of the shoulder, but it looked like it might be serious, and it looks like it might cost him some time. That would mean that we go back and grab Cody Zeller, who will be forced back into a 30-minute or so role. Now, before that, I wasn't sure what they'd do with Zeller. Maybe they'd play him 27 and Frank would play 30, alternating between the 4 and the 5. But if Kaminsky goes down, then we're going to have to see 29 to 30 of Cody Zeller, and we're going to have to see more minutes for Michael Kidd-Gilchrist at the 4 as well, as Frank doesn't take on that backup role. Now, for deeper leagues, a guy like Johnny O'Brien or Christian Wood will get a little bit of extra run, but I'm talking 20-team leagues, probably at the shallowest. Now, as for as for Kaminsky, if you own him, just hold and let's see what this news comes out, but it doesn't look great at this point. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist only played 29 minutes. I think that will go up. If Kaminsky misses time, seven points, eight rebounds, but six deals is obviously fantastic. And he starts playing more at the four, you're going to get more rebounds from him. And he has been able to produce the defensive numbers at a much higher rate this season, especially considering that he was um, a guy that didn't really produce them at, at high rates last season. Or through any stage of his career, he was able to, he wasn't really able to put them up at, uh, at a high level. But we, um, we like what we uh, we like what we see from Kid Gilchrist here, and he could be a twelve team guy, but it's very again very dependent. What do you need? Rebounds and steals? Sure, go for it. Kemba was great. He's on a nice little string here. Twenty six, four and eight with two steals and three triples. While Marv Williams played twenty nine minutes and had nineteen and four, hit three triples himself with a steal and a block. Probably one of his better games of the season, to be honest. Now Cody Zeller, who I touched on earlier, I didn't actually tell you what he did. Six and eight with three assists and two steals. 
just getting it done. And that's what Cody Zeller does. He does it efficiently. He can get some blocks and steals. He can get some boards and he scores a little bit, not a huge scorer. But that definitely has value, but it doesn't suit everybody. Nick Batum was not at his best 12-3-5 in 35 minutes, and Jeremy Lamb couldn't get it going either. 4-3 in 13 minutes. On to the Phoenix Suns, Eric Bledsoe. This game was a blowout, weirdly enough, so the minutes for the Suns were spread all over the place. Bledsoe just played 25 minutes, 14-4-7 with a triple one. He took four shots, four. Hit three of them, but just four. Just such a weird stat line from Bledsoe. And... I amazingly get questions about TJ Warren. Should I add him? Like, he is a must-own player. 27 minutes for TJ, 16-8 and eight with a pair of blocks on 73% shooting. He's a mu- I know that's high, but he is a high-percentage shooter. He's a must-own player. Leandro Barbosa chimed in with 16 points in 23 minutes, and this is how much you know this game was a blowout. Derek Jones Jr. played 22 minutes and had 8 points with a pair of steals and a pair of blocks. Marquise Chris... Went off the court early with what looked like maybe a serious leg injury, but he was able to return. Only 22 minutes for Chrissy. 17 points, including three threes. He's you know, a solid add, whether you want him or Alan Williams. I think that Chris has potential for more minutes moving forward, but whether he gets there due to foul trouble is the concern. Now, Williams also has that foul trouble issue too. Devin Booker didn't shoot the ball well, just uh, 5 of 12, but 15, 6 and 9 is a very good performance from him. Well, we also got... Uh, 27 minutes of Jared Dudley, just what everyone needs in their life. I also love that Tyler Eulis played very well here. 23 minutes for Tyler, 8 points, but 8 assists and 2 steals. I've talked about him quite a bit on recent podcasts, being a player who's going to be able to put up potentially top 200 numbers for many years in a row, and for very deep dynasty leagues, you're getting these sort of assists out of a career backup point guard, which is what he's going to be, I think. It can be really useful. So he is a player that I think does have some pretty nice appeal. I really do like what he does when he's on the court. The last game of the night that we're going to talk about, um, apparently the audio is messed up from, for some people. It's coming through choppy. That's a that's an internet issue on this end. That will uh, that will be corrected, guys. I don't know what. I assume it's coming through clearly enough that you can uh, that you can hear it. It's just uh, it's just chopping up. But I uh, will. Uh, I don't know what I can do. Sometimes the internet here is not ideal, as uh, as many of you who live in Australia would be aware. All right, let's talk about this uh, last game of the night. It was the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Portland Trailblazers. We talked about Russ already. A lot of questions coming in about Stephen Adams, a, a huge amount, in fact. He only played 24 minutes here and had two and six. Now, the questions are, do I drop Stephen Adams? Is he droppable? The minutes are down. Yes, the minutes were down. He had five fouls. So there was foul trouble here for Stephen Adams. So this was not a case of Taj Gibson is here. They're going to run Taj and Ennis Cancer as their front court and Adams is going to be minimalized. That's that's not what this is. But Adams' performances recently haven't been good, irrespective of this foul trouble. Even in his previous games, they haven't been great. And you sometimes have to make tough decisions at this point in the season. You know, someone who you might not think is a guy to be dropped, you might have to drop them, just depending on how you, how your team is looking or how they're, um, how they're currently constructed or who you're going up against. But if you're looking at it just based on this one game, that is because of foul trouble, and that's why Adams was limited. But again, nobody should be considered undroppable. Well, that's not true. Some people should be, but 
guys like Adams who are you know, back-end players, if they're in a, in a slump, you can't afford to deal with slumps at this point. So Taj has to be considered drop-zonable. As Not Taj, Adams. As for Taj, he's at 33 minutes in this game, 15 and 6, including a uh, ridiculous buzzer beater at the end of the half. He had two steals and two blocks, a very big performance from Taj. I wouldn't be getting too excited. I wouldn't be rushing to add Taj in 12-team leagues or anything like that. It was a great night, but I also think it's a somewhat fluky. I loved what Ennis Cantor did as well, 18 and 10 in 28 minutes. He should be owned in the majority of leagues. Norris Cole made his de- debut for the season. 11 minutes for Cole, 7 points with 2 assists. We're talking 20-team leagues, but he's going to take on that Samaje Kristen role. And Alex Abrines, who started in place of Vic Oladipo, hit a key 3 at the end, but only 10 minutes for the entire game. 6 points while Dougie McDermott. This is Doug McDermott. 37 minutes for Doug, 9-4-1 on 12 shots with 1-3. I don't care if Doug McDermott gets 36 minutes a night. He's not a 12-team staple sort of a player. I also don't understand why we're still giving DeMontis Sabonis 10 minutes. What's the point? You've got Taj now. That's it. Taj gets those minutes. Two points, one assist, and one block for Sabonis. He starts the game. You've got two starters here who played 10 minutes and 10 minutes. What's the point purpose of that, Billy? Two rookie starters as well who were playing 10 minutes apiece. Not really understanding the point of that. Andre Robertson did it defensively, two steals and three blocks in his 31 minutes. Really, that's all he is, though. We, we're aware of that. On the Portland side of things, Yusuf Nurkic, ridiculous. 18, 12, and 6, two steals and five blocks. This is the sort of performance from Nurkic that we all hoped he could become back when he had those um, days in Denver behind Mozgov and then supplanted Mozgov before the trade, and then Brian Shaw ruined him. This is what we thought he could become, and he's got a real opportunity here in Portland. 38 minutes for Nurkic. So he's going to get big run if he stays out of foul trouble, which he has for every game bar one in Portland. There's no doubt that he's a must-own in every situation. And he is a real stat stuffer if his head is screwed on right and if he's in a positive frame of mind, which it looks like he is. Dame had 33-4-5, or CJ had 18-6-4. So yeah, decent games from those, especially Dame with the 33 points. I also liked El Farouk Aminu, who had 14-6. and six. He had three steals and a block. He probably should be owned in the majority of leagues. It doesn't bother me that he comes off the bench. Mo Harkless, 10-9 in 34 minutes. And with the news that Evan Turner is going to get his cast off and be back, as he said, within a week, Mo Harkless's value drops. So if you want to move on from Harkless to grab Alan Williams, to grab Marquise Chris, to grab Bob Portis... Whatever, it's fine. I think that that's a fine move. Again, try and read ahead a little bit. Do I need to grab someone now that can help me in the interim and Harkless will drop off? Then sure, that, that's that's a move you do, and I think that's where he should be considered. Uh, he should be considered in that, in that drop zone. Alan Crabb had 11 points in his 24 minutes. He should permanently be in the drop zone. And that's it. That's all the action that we had on Thursday. I'm going to take a quick break. And then what we're going to do is come back and preview all 10 games for Friday for DFS. Before we go, we do, as I said, we've got a, a new song to debut. It comes from Chris Novembrino, who's a listener to the podcast. The song is called Who? And if you want to find out more about Chris, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Novembrino, which is Chris, and then N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O, or email him at chrisnovembrino at gmail.com, and he has got a website coming as well. But this is a, a song called Who that Chris has uh, put out from my little uh, podcast transition part. So thank you, Chris. 
we're back. Let's uh, let's talk DFS. Let's start with the perfect DFS lineup from Thursday night's action on FanDuel. Kemba Walker forty five point eight, and Russell Westbrook fifty nine point four. At shooting guard, Pat McCaw at 24.8 and Devin Booker at 30.7. The small forwards, Jim Butler at 45 and TJ Warren 30.1. At power forward, Bob Portis at 33.6 and Taj at 31.2. And at centre, Yusuf Nurkic 51.4 and that totaled 352 points and cost $59,600. Over on DraftKings, Kemba Walker 48 points, Pat McCaw 25.5 Jim Butler, not Jim Butler, Jim Butler, 46.25. Bob Porter's 37.25. Nurkic at 55.5. Barbosa at 25. Taj at 33. And Russ Westbrook at 64.75 for a total of 335.25. And that cost the entire $50,000 of your DraftKings budget. Let's talk about these 10 games. We'll start off with Toronto. They're taking on the Washington Wizards. The Wizards are favored by five, and the total is 208.5 points. So obviously we've got a uh, we've got a nice, hopefully close-ish game, but we're talking about a, a Raptors team that is without Kyle Lowry. Now, we don't know for the Wizards if Brandon Jennings will play. We would assume that he that he does after recently signing. He wasn't able to play their last game, but I think he'll be ready to go. Trey Burke is also listed as being questionable after missing the last game due to personal reasons. It doesn't matter because Trey Burke's not going to play irrespective of Brandon Jennings. He lost his backup point guard job to Tomas Sataransky, and he's going to be pushed down to fourth string with Brandon Jennings in town. Let's talk about the point guards in this game. Johnny Wall is at 9900 So that's a pretty good price for Wall. It's a $500 decrease over on FanDuel. His numbers haven't been all that great the last couple, but he's averaging 45 across the last five. And without Lowry, the Raptors' point guard defense is clearly not at the same level. Corey Joseph's still a good defender, but we're not, we're not at the same level that we were at when uh, when Kyle was there. So... I think you do have to. Um, I think I think you do have to take uh, take Wall as or take this defense as being something that he can exploit. I, I do actually. I do think that he is a good option. Now, if we look at Johnny over on uh, over on DraftKings, he's at nine seven, still fairly strong. He's still still worth a look. Not far from a core player, but still a very good option. Corey Joseph is at five thousand dollars. He's in a good spot for it, Joseph, but. The last three games, he's averaging under 21 points. That's clearly not good enough at 5,000. He's at 52 on DraftKings, the same story. And then he gets the John Wall defense treatment, which is not something that's been easy for point guards to negotiate for the majority of this season. So I would look at him as a GPP guy, maybe, but I wouldn't feel very strongly about it. At shooting guard, Brattles Beal is at 7,400. He's been putting up just these mid 30 numbers, which at that sort of price is not bad, averaging almost 34 over the last three, 36 over the last five, which is 7,400, not a bad number. He's at 7,000 on DraftKings, the same. Feels pretty solid. I'm not sure if I'd be looking at him as a GPP guy, but I feel pretty confident about him having a high floor and being a, a decent cash shooting guard. As for DeMar DeRozan, his salary had spiked. They've dropped it a little bit to 9,900 after a, a disappointing performance in the last one, but his usage should be through the roof. You should be looking at a very high usage from DeMar, and he should be able to approach 40. But the thing is, at almost 10,000 bucks, approaching 40 is not enough. Now, on DraftKings, where he comes at 8,900, that's fine. I do really like that. I think there's some value in that. But at FanDuel, at almost 10,000, 
probably just a little bit too high. The small forwards, Damari Carroll put up a, a monstrous nine points in the last game. He is a $3,900 player. That's a GPP-only situation, while Otto Porter... No way I'd want to spend 63 on Otto. He has been struggling just five points in the last game and averaging under 24 over the last five. If you want to take a punt on it, sure, especially on DraftKings where he comes in at 5,600, but I'm not feeling like it's a strong play uh, against this Toronto team, which is a, a marginal positive for him but not screaming out as being a great matchup. Boyan Bogdanovich has been putting up good lines, but we know so much about what Boyan does is based on shooting percentages. So the last game, he hit like 75% of his shots. He's a $4,000 player, and if the shots go in, then you're looking at high 20s, which works. If they don't go in, you're looking at 16 points, which doesn't, which that makes him a really nice GPP sort of a guy. But in terms of cash, um, reliability there is it, it's not really there. For Boyan Bogdanovich, PJ Tucker, no thank you. Power forwards, Serge Barker, I like that at 6,900. Put up 38 in the last one. He gets a very, very good matchup. This is a super positive matchup for Serge. The salary is not too high. 6,700 for him on DraftKings. I really like Serge Barker on both sides there. And Markeith Morris at 6,800. He's been playing well, but I'm not sure if his nuts are big enough to justify spending $6,800. The numbers have been all right, but only 29 average across the last five. An extra 100 bucks, and I could have Serge Ibaka. I'll do that every day. Now, if you want to go contrarian and pivot on Fangio to, to Markeith, sure. Now, Markeith on DraftKings, he comes in at $600 cheaper than Serge. He's at 6100 And that that makes him a little bit more appealing. I think it's a, it's a positive matchup for him there. And that would be something that I would be interested in, but not at that elevated price over on, uh, over on Fangio. It just feels a little bit too high for me. At center... Machin Gortat, really worried about his minutes. He's at 6,300. He played just 18 minutes in the last game. He's averaging just 23 over the last three. Since Mahinmi's seen his minutes ramp up, Gortat's minutes have come down. So at 6,300, I don't want anything to do with that. Speaking of minutes coming down, Jonas Valanciunas is not even going to get 22 minutes a night, it feels like, most of these nights. He's still averaging 22 points in 21 minutes over the last three, but at 5,400, there's no upside really for JV, and that's not returning value. So I would leave it alone. The guy that you might want to take a cheeky flyer on is Jan Mihinmi. He's a minimum salary player on both sides. He dropped in 19 points on DraftKings in 21 minutes in the last game. And at $3,000, 19 points works pretty well. Far from a lock. But if you're looking for a very cheap center to throw into a GPP lineup with Mihinmi's minutes trending upwards, he would be someone to, to not completely write off as an option. I think that's the... That's probably the best way of me phrasing that. All right, let's go to the next game now. It's the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers. The last time, well, these two teams played not long ago, actually. Uh, the Knicks are favored by two, and the total is 216 and a half. We'll talk about what happened last time in a sec. Billy Hernan Gomez is listed as doubtful with that ankle injury that uh, that cost him that cost him the the last game, so hopefully that uh, that fixes itself out pretty quickly. But it doesn't look like he's going to play in this one. Um, where are we? Yeah, Bill, um, it, it, so that look, we thought the Kylo Quinn would start the last game, but it doesn't appear like that's that that's going to be the case because in that last game we saw uh, we saw how do you uh, 
Christos Porzingis, that's who it is. That's the guy that started uh, at center, which is the way they should have done it. But there is still obviously confusion in New York. I believe that there is some uh, some choppy audio information coming through. I hope that's hope that's not continuing, but we are getting reports of choppy audio coming through on the live stream. I don't know why, because everything is set up correctly. So I apologize for that for you guys watching live that the audio is coming through all choppy. Um, trying to figure out what's going on. All right, we'll, uh, we'll keep pressing through. I don't know why it's coming through all weirdly on the audio end. Let's go back to talk about this game. Gerald Henderson left the last game with Philadelphia with a, with a hip issue. If he doesn't go, then we're going to see more Justin Anderson playing time, and we're going to see more of um, more of Nick Nick Stauskas or Castillo, who missed the uh, missed the not missed. He, he saw his minutes reduced in the last one, but he will uh, he'll get some extra playing time if Gerald Henderson. Happens to miss this game. Let's talk about the point guards in this one here. TJ McConnell really bounced back in the last game. Put up almost 30 points. He is at 5,600. The matchup for him is a marginal negative one. It's not a, not a huge negative, but it's also not a positive. 5,600 is not a bad price tag. I'm still not fully into it, though, with PJ here. Not PJ, TJ. Derek Rose, on the other hand, at 6,400. He's been putting up good numbers, averaging 30 over the last five, and he gets a positive matchup. I would only look at Rose as being a GPP player. I wouldn't be looking at him strongly as being a cash guy, but there is some GPP upside in a pretty nice matchup for him. At shooting guard, Henderson's a 3,600 guy, but I I don't have faith in him playing here. Well, Courtney Lee is up to $5,000, and I don't feel there's any consistency in Courtney Lee or, or any any reason that I feel, should feel strongly about him putting up those sort of numbers. So he's someone that I would pass on. As for Stauskas, at 4000 bucks, if Gerald Henderson's out, I might consider Stauskas, but I don't really think the upside's there to warrant that. At small forward, Bob Cubs at 7200 It's a big salary for Covington, but he has played exceedingly well against the Knicks so far this season. He's averaging 38.5 over the last five games in general. I think that there's some, uh, there's some use for Covington there at that spot. At that salary, I wouldn't trust it in cash, but I would feel okay about it in tournaments on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Now, Carmelo Anthony, the other small forward, he's at 8,100. Only averaging 36 points across the last five. I think that's probably just a little bit too expensive for Melo. 7,500 for him on DraftKings makes it a little bit better, but still not, uh, not a strong, not a strong situation for Carmelo Anthony. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the power forwards because we've got a couple of real interesting ones here. We've got Kristaps, of course. For centers. Yep, he's at six thousand seven hundred. He had thirty five in that last game starting at center. If they name him the starting center again, I think at six thousand seven hundred, he is definitely worth a go, especially if they're going to be matching up on Julie Okafor at sixty six hundred on DraftKings as well. I think it works really well for him. Dario Saric is at 7,300. He had a stinker in the last game, just 17 points. I think that 7,300 might be a little bit high for Saric. It is a good matchup for him, but I'm not really thinking that he's a lock for 35 points, which is what you need him to be at that salary. GPP, sure. Cash, not not quite. Rashawn Holmes is the real interesting one. He is at $4,600, and he has outplayed Okafor in basically every game except the game that the Sixers played against the Knicks. So that gives me some pause on Holmes. He's at 4,600, so it's a little bit of a price rise. He's at 4,800 on DraftKings. Again, the salary's gone up. 
He can go big. He can go for 35 or 40. But if Okafor gets things cooking against the Knicks, then Holmes' minutes do become limited. And that's the worry there. So that's why I look at him as being just a just a GPP guy at this point. Let's talk about the centers. Okafor. He does really well against the Knicks. It's a team that he does well against. He's at 5,100. I don't feel great about it, but I would definitely think that he has to be in your GPP playable. Has to be. Great record against the Knicks. If he gets going early, he'll stay on the court. Hopefully he can engage uh, defensively at least to a minimal degree. But I wouldn't feel confident enough to uh, to lock him in in cash games. But he has had a very good record against the Knicks. The other guy to look at is Kylo Quinn. They bumped his salary on Fangio for whatever reason. He is now at 5,600, which just seems way too high. But if we look on DraftKings, he's at 4,900. He only played 19 minutes in the last game and had 20 points. If they decide that, you know what, this uh, pausing at center is not something that we want to do, and they want to run O'Quinn out there, he's every chance. Everyone is going to be off him because everyone was on him last game, like 60% ownership, and he disappointed. So that makes him a great target for GPP. His situation is the same as the last game. No Hernan Gomez, no Noah. So there's an opportunity. If they limit him and play Porzingis, that, that's an issue. But very, very much a smaller percentage of people will be on O'Quinn in this game as opposed to last game. And that might be a differentiating factor for you in GPP. So it is something just to be aware of, especially where on DraftKings he comes in at such a cheap price, 4900 All right, let's uh, move on to the next one. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Atlanta Hawks. The Cavs are favored by three, and the total is 214 points here. Let's talk point guards. We've got Dennis Schroeder, who's at 6,500. He gets a nice matchup against Kyrie Irving. Point guards have done very well against the Cavs this season, so Schroeder is definitely someone that you can pay attention to here. I like the spot for him. Now, his numbers recently haven't been where they quite need to be for that sort of a salary, but this matchup makes him an interesting play. As for Kyrie, well, he's got a good matchup too, but his salary is so high. 9000 bucks is pretty high, but it wouldn't dissuade me from using Kyrie in tournaments. I think there's a lot to like there, especially on DraftKings where he comes in at 8400 and he's averaged 46 points the last three times that they've taken on the Atlanta Hawks. So I think Kyrie at that 8400 price tag on DraftKings is a very, very interesting one. Darren Williams is the other point guard. He got 24 minutes in his first Cleveland Cavaliers game, but his price is probably just a little bit too high at 4,700. He only put up nine points in that game, shot the ball terribly. It's it's a little high. Now, on DraftKings, is it 4,000? If they play him 24 minutes again, maybe he can get you 24 points. That's not something that's too much of a stretch for Williams, and that could work out in the GPP. So he becomes a tournament option over on DraftKings, not really so much on Fangio. At shooting guard, there's not really anything to like here. Cole Corver and Tim Hardaway Jr. are GPP options. I still hate Hardaway's price at 5,200. Not a lot to really like with those players. And Iman Shumpert gives us nothing. He's averaging under 10 points in his last three games. Tabo Cephalosha's at 3,700. He's one of the small forwards. He came back. He puts up numbers that look great for seasonal leagues. For DFS, they don't translate all that well. 19-point average over the last three is all right. 
at 3,700. But this matchup, I, I don't really like it here for Tarbo. So that's that's not one for me. And Kent Bazemore's at 4,400. Yeah, both these guys become GPP options, definitely, because they could hit and you might get 29 out of Tarbo. You might get 35 out of Bazemore. And it would be a huge return. But they're not, they're far from, far from cash guys, really, really far from it. As for LeBron, he's at 10,800. He's a cash guy. He's averaged 55 the last three times he's taken on the Atlanta Hawks. You should feel pretty good about LeBron getting 50. He's averaging 50 over the last five games. Really, really like him here. And that's, that's not a, that's not me going out in a limb, I don't think. At power forward, Paul Millsaps at 7,500. A nice performance from him in the last game, 39 points, but 7,500 for a guy that has been struggling, maybe a little bit high now. On DraftKings at 7,000, I like it more, and I'd be more into, into Paul Millsap at 7,000 over there. Just not fully invested with it over on Fangio. Derek Williams played 31 minutes in the last game and looked all right. Only 18 points, though, because he is just a points guy. Points and maybe some rebounds. Doesn't do anything else, and that really hampers his ability to put up DFS numbers. Um, Ersan Ilyasova had a decent game in the last one. We'll see. Will the Cavs, not the Cavs, will the Hawks continue to run that really short rotation? I'm not sure. So I don't think that Ersan is worth really too much time. And Channing Fry has seen his minutes be under 15 for the last two games. So even if he starts, I'm not really getting too, too interested in Channing Fry at center. Dwight Howard's at 7,100. This is a, is a bad matchup. This is a negative matchup. The Cavs have been an issue against centers basically for the last two years. Dwight's been putting up good numbers. Yes, he's averaging 35 over the last three. But with the negativity of this matchup here for Dwight, I'm, I'm not sure that I want to go and spend that on him. Now, on DraftKings at 6,500, that's a bit of a different story. At 6,500, I can totally see that working. Now, Tristan Thompson is way too expensive, in my opinion, at 6,100. I don't want anything to do with that as he matches up with Dwight. He's at 51, though, on DraftKings. And that's a little bit better, but I still think that there are going to be better options than Tristan Thompson that are out there on the board for you. All right, let's move on to the next game now. We have got the uh, Miami Heat. They are taking on the Orlando Magic. The Heat are favored by four. The total is 207 and a half. The Heat have probably got the most injury questions in the entire slate. Hassan Whiteside is listed as probable with a stomach issue. Scooter Magruder is listed as probable with a quad contusion. And Dion Waiters is questionable with his ankle. And Willie Reed is also questionable with his ankle. If Will Reed is out, Okaro White will get more minutes there. So will Jimmy Johnson. And um, if Waiters happens to miss, then it's more Magruder, it's more Allington, and it's more Joshy Richardson. So Richardson would become a GPP punt option if Dion Waiters happens to be out. Let's assume that all these players are playing. At point guard, we've got Goran Dragic at 7,600. On the surface, it looks like a great matchup, but Dragic hasn't done well against Orlando in the past. I like him more over on DraftKings, where he's at 7,100. I think he's a real chance to exceed value there. But I'm not feeling great about him as a cash player, and I'm not feeling great about him in general on Fangio. Still some value on Fangio, but not not great. Lord Alfred Payton's at 5,500. Terrible matchup. Um, up and down form. Not a low salary. Not interested in him. Tyler Johnson's a guy I could be interested in. He's at 5,800. He put up 34 in the last game. Really good performance there. He's a little bit up and down. Um, I might look as a GPP, but I wouldn't feel totally strongly about it. Shooting guards. Evan Fournier, 5,300. I like it. 
He's got a great record against Miami. He played well in the last game. His minutes have been up. It is a negative matchup, but I like Fournier at that sort of a price. I think there's great value there. 56 on DraftKings is not quite as good. And by not quite as good, I mean it's bad. But 53 on FanDuel is really good. Dion Waiters at 6,600. So the salary is coming down for Dion, but we don't know if he's going to play. And he's averaging just 24 points over the last three. And at 6,600, that's nowhere near where it needs to be. So still, yes, the price is coming down. Still too high. 64 on DraftKings, same story. Not a chance at that sort of a salary. Now, Joshy Richardson, who did have a bit of a comeback in that last game, 25 points. He's at 4,500. If Waiters is ruled out, then Richardson is someone that I would look at. Probably not for cash. But I wouldn't rule it out for cash. But for GPPs, I would really like it. I think there's a lot of value there. Now, on DraftKings at 3,900, that's super. And if Waiters is out, I would use Richardson in cash at 3,900 if Waiters is out. But we don't know that just at this point. Uh, Terry Ross is at 4,900. Really, really stunk in the last game, but had been solid before that. FanDuel's bumped him by $500, so it takes a little bit of the uh, the ceiling out of him. More just a GPP guy, I believe, given that so much of his value comes from shooting and com- comes from threes. That's almost the uh, the definition of a GPP player, exactly Exactly on that. Um, Gene asks a question, how many jerseys do I have? Gene, I don't know the exact amount. It's um, it's roughly, roughly 65, is my guess. Uh, who's going to be my next purchase? It's a good question. Who do I want? Hmm... I did want to. I wanted to get a um, a Dennis Schroeder jersey, um, but I, I think I'll look at a um, a Nerlens Noel Dallas one would be good. I, I would like that, or a boogie uh, a boogie Mardi Gras New Orleans one would also be good. So they're the ones that I'd look at there. So Gene, thank you for that. Um, Dennis says he's getting feedback. I don't know why the feedback's there, Dennis. Dennis, I don't. I don't know why this is happening. Everything is the same as yesterday, but the glories of technology are are doing my head in. All right, let's go back to talking about this uh, this matchup between the Heat and the Magic. Let's talk about um, let's talk about power forwards. Aaron Gordon has been limited in the last couple of games. He's at five thousand bucks, and the, ne- the matchup is a terrible negative for him. Really hard to consider me uh, using him in most situations. Fifty three hundred um, on DraftKings, the same story. Not really feeling that for Azza. Jimmy Johnson at six thousand bucks. His numbers, averaging just under 30 over the last three. Look, if Willie Reed is out, I'd be a little bit more interested in Jim, but at 6000 bucks, I think it's probably just a little bit too high. On DraftKings, though, at 5600 that's interesting. I think that there's definitely some use there, probably more GPP, but I wouldn't feel totally out of using him as a cash game option over on DraftKings, not so much on Fangel. With the centers, we've got Nikola Vucevic is at 7,200. He has got a very good record against Miami, and that price is not too high. Love him on Fangel. Not quite as much on DraftKings at 7,200, but still, I think it's a good spot for him. While Hassan Whiteside at 8,800 on Fangel has been putting up good numbers, but not $8,800 worth. 81 on DraftKings, that's getting a little bit closer, and he's also got a very good record against the Magic, averaging 52 points the last three times these teams have, been, have played each other. So I would look at him as an option, maybe in cash, but more more of a GPP type of a play. Let's move on now to the next game. And who is that next game? We've got the Los Angeles Clippers. They are taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's uh, let's Let's start by looking at the spread for this game. 
and that is the Clippers favored by three and a half, and the total is 213. Now, the news is that Terrence Jones has signed with Milwaukee. I should have talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'll, I'll talk about it now. Uh, let me just talk about it from a seasonal point of view for Terrence Jones. He's got an opportunity here. He's also got a coach that doesn't know what he's doing with his rotation on a daily basis in Jason Kidd. But he's got an opportunity with Jabari Parker out, with Michael Beasley out three games, which I think is going to be longer. I don't think it's going to be just three games. I think he'll miss some more time. So Jones has got an opportunity there. So I would be all for grabbing him in 12-team leagues. But if we look back to some of his successful years in Houston when he played 27-9, and and he was the 80th or 90th ranked player, it came because he was shooting 54% from the field and blocking like 1.8 shots per game. He's a long way off that at the moment. He's not blocking anywhere near that many shots per game. He's also shooting is way down, and that limits what he can do. But again, in that group of guys like Alan Williams and Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Jones is, is worth a look to see how they use him, but I don't think we're going to find much consistency. Now, he's not going to play in this game, most likely looking to be ready for the Bucks next game on Saturday. I think it's on Saturday, but he, he won't be ready to go for this game. So we're going to have a, a situation where we're still going to be in this rotational uncertainty with Jason Kidd, which we're pretty much at every time the Bucks play, unfortunately. All right, let's uh, let's talk point guards. I assume that Malcolm Brogdon sticks as the starter. That would be the common sense thing, especially since he uh, since he started the last game and, and played well. He's at 5,200 here, Brogo. He's averaging 29 across the last three. I really like him at this price. Yes, he's playing against Chris Paul, but I think that Brogdon can still put up those 25 or so points that he needs to be a, a valuable player. Now, on DraftKings at 5,600, that's not quite as interesting, more of a GPP option than a cash option, but still has some interest. Matty Delaver Dovers at 3,900 actually had a decent game in the last one, but he's been so far off that that I'm not interested in going back to that well. And Chris Paul comes in at 9,600. Probably a bit expensive for Chris Paul, to be honest, averaging 38 over the last five. 9,600 is high. The Bucks have been very good against point guards for the majority of this season. I'm not I'm not spending that. 9,000 for him on DraftKings makes him have some GPP value, but that's probably about it for Chris. Austin Rivers also cleaned up in the last game in garbage time, but I wouldn't be relying upon that to put into my lineup. At shooting guard, JJ Reddick's at 43. Strictly just a punt guy, but there aren't many good punt cheap shooting guards around on Fangio, so Reddick could be one of those. And Yanni is also listed as a shooting guard. He's at 10,800, has averaged just 36 points the last three games, including a couple of very poor performances. I'm not spending $10,800 on Yanni Adetokounmpo. On DraftKings at 10,000, I think that there is GPP upside in him, but I wouldn't be using him in cash. I'm definitely not at that spot with him. Jamal Crawford, no thank you. At Smallford, love Chris Middleton at 5,300. He had 36 in the last game and played 31 minutes. And the 31 minutes is what's most important to me. Whether they start him or they continue with the charade of starting Rashad Vaughn, it doesn't really matter because I think Middleton's going to get his minutes regardless. So I, I like him at 5,300. I think there's a lot of value in using him at that price tag. On DraftKings at 6,000, that's a $500 rise. I'm turned off a little bit there. I don't think that's going to be a superb value or anything along those lines. Tone Snell, no. At power forward, John Henson's at 4,100. Had a good game in the last one with a pair of steals and a pair of blocks, but that resulted in just 22 points. 
I'm not really interested in John Henson here. Blakey Griffin's the the power forward that we want to look at. He's at 9,700 and struggled against Houston, just 26 points in that game. But we've seen big men against the Bucks be able to put up big numbers on a regular basis. So I think that Blake is worth a look. 97 on Fangio, 91 on DraftKings. Definitely has some uh, some appeal to his game. At center, DeAndre Jordan at 7,600. Another big man against the Bucks. He should be able to have a pretty nice night of things. And 7,000 for him on DraftKings looks really, really, really good. Now, as for Greg Monroe, I don't know what's going to happen. Will he play 30 minutes? Will he play 22 minutes? What will Kid do? Now, in the last game that Monroe played, he put up 30 points in only 23 minutes, but that feels like a marginal outlier, so I'm not interested in, in Greg Munro at 6,400. He's at 57 on DraftKings, and that definitely has a level of appeal, but I would only want to play him as a GPP guy. I wouldn't want to go and, and lay him in cash because anything can happen when Jason Kidd is running your rotations. All right, let's go to the next game now, Memphis. They are taking on the Dallas Mavericks. The Grizzlies are favored by three, and the total is 190. That is a terrible, disgusting total for DFS. Really does not look appealing at all. But there is going to be some little bits of value in this game, just not a huge amount. Yogi Ferrell's at 5,200. He bounced back in the last game, but still put up 24 points. And at 5,200, that's not cutting it. And now you take on Memphis. That is a no-go from me. As for Conley at 7,700, well, Dallas have been a nightmare for point guards all season. Conley's playing well, like really well, averaging 37 across his last five. But in this matchup and this slow pace and the way that Dallas handles point guards, I don't want to deal with Conley at that sort of a salary. 78 on DraftKings is even more of a no-go to me. Um, shooting guards, Wes Matthews is out. So we're going to get Dorian Finney-Smith starting. But Seth Curry will remain starting for the Mavericks, 6,200. He's been putting up yeah, good numbers, 34 average across the last three. But at 6,200, are you getting any value off that whatsoever? And now you get Tony Allen on you? Yeah, I'm not that interested. 6,000 on DraftKings for Seth as well, which suits him a little bit more, the, the scoring system over there. But again, that Tony Allen defense is is something that we do need to pay attention to. Now, as for using Tone Allen at 4,500, no, I don't think there's any real need to do that. The small forwards, the pencil, Harrison Barnes, he's at 6,200, had a big one in the last game, 37 points. He's been fairly solid. I don't hate, I, actually, I, I like it for cash. I'm not sure if he's got a high enough upside for tournaments, but I'd like him for cash on both sides. I think there's a little bit of use there. We're obviously not using Chandler Parsons or Vince Carter and Dorian Finney-Smith. People seem to love to want to use Dorian Finney-Smith in DFS. I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Maybe it's because his initials are DFS. I'm not feeling it. Power forward. Nerlens Noel is going to start. So he's listed still as a power forward, but he is going to start, and he's going to start from here on out. He's at 5,300. It's a terrible matchup against Marcus Gasol, but that is not a big salary. I'm all for using Mark, uh, ne, not Marcus Gasol, Nerlens Noel. And at 4,700 on DraftKings, he almost becomes a core player, I think. That is so cheap. Um, they've dropped him by 600 bucks. Yeah, he only put up 12 points in 16 minutes in the last game, but I think he's going to get 27 to 28 minutes. He's going to start, and he's going to have a pretty decent game. So I'm, I'm really interested in Nerlens Noel here. Dirk at 5,600 is very interesting as well. That's a salary drop of 500 bucks on Fangio and 400 on DraftKings down to 53. And I think that at that sort of a low salary, you can definitely consider using Dirk on, on both sites but it'll probably lean a little bit more towards him at that 5,300 on DraftKings. I like what he's been doing recently. Zebo has been putting up some good numbers too, but the salary is at 6,100. 
in this matchup. That's a, that's a no from me for Randolph. I wouldn't use Jermichael Green either. At center, Marcus Gasol, 8,400. Just always feels too high in a slow-paced game. That's a no from me. 79 on DraftKings is obviously a little bit more manageable, but still not a great situation for Gasol. So I think there are going to be other centers out there that fit the uh, fit the bill a little bit better than, uh, than Big Mark. All right, let's move on to the next game now. We have got the uh, Brooklyn Nets and the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are favored by 14, and the total is 206.5. Rocket Rodney Hood has been ruled out already with that knee soreness, so good on the Jazz for being proactive and ruling him out early. They're not uh, not the greatest with doing that sort of thing, so uh, big shout-out to those guys for getting that out there. This is not looking like it's going to be an awesome game, just from a DFS point of view, but the, the absence of Rocket does open up some value. Now, it's really hard to read much into what we saw in the last game because the Jazz were getting absolutely smashed and they just stopped playing their starters and got a lot of their bench guys some extra minutes. So it's hard to really rely too much on that game for guidance. George Hill, for example, had seven points in the last game. He's at $6,000. I don't think I would use him anyway. It is a good matchup, but this could be one of those real smashings that he plays 29, 28 minutes in. So you don't love it. Don't love it for George at all in this matchup. In fact, this in this entire game, there's really very few um, fantasy cash options. There are a few GPP options that I like. Jeremy Lin is at 5,400. He looked good in the last game, just 20 minutes for 25 points. But I think that sort of production level, hoping for that, is probably a little bit too much. And 5,400, that's the level you'd need to be at. So that's a no from me for Jezza. He's at 48 on DraftKings. Not quite there either. But when we talk about the Aussie sites later, he is dirt cheap. And he becomes a great option over on sites like Moneyball and DraftStars. I don't remember which one it was. Maybe it was Moneyball. But I'll bring that up a little bit later. Shawnee Kilpatrick had a pretty piss poor performance in the last one just seven points I don't want anything to do with him same with Alec Burks but Karis Levert is an interesting one he's at 4200 he had 28 in the last game he's had 26 minutes or more in the two starts that he's played outside of uh, an illness that kept him out of the middle game his value in that last game was really buoyed by three steals but I like Levert at 4,200, I think there is definite GPP upside for Karis 3,900 in draft DraftKings but the way that Kenny Atkinson runs this rotation is everyone's going to get 20 minutes. He might get 24, he might get 26, he might get 20. And it's really hard to rely upon any of these guys for cash. They are more just more just GPP type of players, and that's, that's a pain in the ass. Now, for small forwards, Joey Ingles will likely start for the Jazz. He only had 13 points in the last game, but we've seen him have some big games in place of Rocket Rodney Hood recently at 3,700 in a great matchup. Really hard to not consider Joe an option, even maybe a cash option. Maybe. Not not locked in. And you could say the same for Joe Johnson at 3,600 and 33 on drafting. Some extra minutes for Joe, maybe 25 to 26 minutes for him. He could push up to you know, even close to 30. There's some value in, in both of these Joes here for the Utah Jazz with Rocket out. As for Gordon Hayward at 8,000, I just think it might be hard for him to actually get enough minutes to return that sort of value. So I might look as a GPP, but definitely not cash. And, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who knows how the minutes are going to go. That's not a strong play. At power for Derek Favors. Had 27 minutes in the last game, put up 26 points. That's good at 5,000, but I'm, I'm not sure that I fully trust that. Just at this point, 5,300 for Favors on DraftKings as well is okay. 
but still you know, leave him as a GPP guy. And Trevor Book is the one I am interested in here. He's at 5,200. He did well the last time, or did fantastically the last time the Nets took on the Jazz, his former team, put up 39 points in that one. He's at 5,200 here, Trevor Booker, um, and he's been putting up some impressive numbers, averaging 25 over the last five. He's a $4,300 player on DraftKings, which is super cheap. I like Trevor Booker in this matchup. And I don't say that very often about guys like Trevor Booker, but I do like him here. At center, Rudy Gobert at 7,500. Yeah, GPP, I would look at. Brookie Lopez at 6,900. Giggity. Um, yeah, but it's Gobert, and that, that makes me say no to Brook. He is at 5,900 Lopez, though, on drafting, so that's a super ridiculously low price, and I would definitely consider that a GPP. But in cash... The Gobert factor is a real issue, and Brook averages under 25 points the last three times he's taken on Utah, and that is Gobert. And that's why I'm a little bit concerned about considering him a cash option. Let's move on now to Oklahoma City. They are taking on the Phoenix Suns. The Thunder are favored by four and a half, and the total is a robust 225.5. We don't know if Victor Oladipo will play. He uh, he missed today's game again with back spasms. We're not sure if he'll be ready to go. If he is out, then Doug McDirt and Alex Abrines get a boost. Abrines played just 10 minutes today in a, probably a little bit of an upset, considering he'd been playing 30 minutes a night before that. He's not really a great DFS option regardless. Let's talk point guards. And of course, we start with Russell Westbrook, who is now at $13,000. That is a lot on a 10-game slate. Can you build around it? Yeah, you can, because there is a little bit of value opening up in some other areas. I probably would only look at doing that in a GPP. In cash, 13000 I'm not sure that you're going to find enough consistent high-floor guys at low salaries to necessarily build. You might but I'm not sure that he's a great option in cash. But at 13000 in a GPP, it definitely works out. He has torn Phoenix apart. He averages almost 68 points the last three times he's taken on Phoenix in FanDuel scoring, which is just ridiculous at 13000 He's averaging you know, just crazy, crazy numbers, and he's a, it's a threat to go for 75 every night. So, yeah, you can make it work but you have to be able to make it work. He's not sitting there at some underpriced thing where you go, I've got to get Russ in. You've got to see who else you can fit in and how you can work the rest of your lineup. Now, Eric Bledsoe is at 8,800. Really didn't do a huge amount today, but was super efficient when he did it. 8,800 is not a bad price. 85 on DraftKings. They're fine, but they're definitely not great spots that I'm you know falling all over myself to use. Tyler Eulis, another good game from him today. He is at 3,600, Tyler. GPP. Definitely worth a GPP sneaky look. Devin Booker at 62, I would probably only lean for GPPs as well, but I do like it for for that, especially on Fangio where he's at 62 and DraftKings, he's at 67. So a lot higher over there. This small forward matchup, TJ Warren's at 5,400. He's averaging 34 the last three times he's taken on the Thunder. And that's obviously really impressive. At 5,400, I really like TJ Warren at that price. If we look at him over on... Uh, over on DraftKings, he's at 58, so I'm not quite as impressed, but I still think that there is value in using TJ Warren at that sort of a salary. Now, Dougie McDermott at 38. If Victor is out, I don't think he'll be as bad as he was today, but if Victor is out, then I would consider him as a, a tournament pick. The power forwards, Marquise Chris at 4,500, always GPP because we don't know what's going to happen with his fouls. And as for Taj Gibson, he is at 4,400. Had a big game today, obviously, but again, I wouldn't be fully counting on that to to continue. The other player we look at is Enes Kanter. 
If he was at 5,000, I'd love it, but he's at 5,900, and that just feels too high. Ennis comes in at 54 on DraftKings, and that's GPP-ish. Taj at 38 is definitely a GPP option over on DraftKings. I really like Taj as a GPP play over on DraftKings. At center, we've got Alan Williams at 4,900. That's pretty high for Williams. He is averaging 33 across the last three. But Stephen Adams' matchup is no joke, and that is a concern. I would not want to lock Alan Williams into a cash lineup, but I think there's a ton of upside in there, no doubt. As for Adams and Len, really tough to consider them usable. Adams is a $6,000 player who's providing nowhere near that. He's at 54 on DraftKings. I think that you are much better ways to spend that money. As for Alex Len at 5000 not a chance. No, no, no interest whatsoever. On DraftKings at 4000 for Len, I might look at it as a GP pants. There's a bit of upside there in Alex, but otherwise it's not. they're not strong plays or you know, far from being strong plays. All right, let's move on to the next game now. It is the San Antonio Spurs and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Spurs are favored by six, and the total is 207. DeMarcus Cousins returns from his suspension in this game, so that's going to put a limit on what Drew Holiday can do. We'll start with Drew. He comes in on DraftKings at 6,900, so a pretty reasonable price tag. He's at 74 on FanDuel, but given the way that he had played in those games with Cousins around and a reduction in usage, I would only consider him as a GPP guy, and even then, not a strong one. Tone Parker returns to action for San Antonio as well. He's at 4,500. I'm pretty sure you can do better than him in majority of situations. If we want to talk shooting guards, Dan Green is a GPP-only guy. Well, Etwan Moore at 39. Marnie Ginobili, 35. Really can't see any way that you would consider those must-play guys. Hollis Thompson's another one. Um, actually, Hells Thompson not even listed in the player pool on Fangio, which is weird. 3000 for him on DraftKings. Played 40 minutes in the last game, put up 24 points. So you're looking for a cheap GPP option. Hollis could be your guy. He's not going to score big, but if he plays 40 minutes and at $3,000, there is um, there's something to say about that. It's not, it's not something great to say, but there is something to say. Um, small forwards. Kawhi Leonard. He's at $8,800, coming off a 55-pointer in the last game. He's got a very, very solid floor. I don't think there's anyone on the Pelicans that can really stop him or slow him down. So I I do like Kawhi here. Um, I wouldn't say that he's a core player or a lock player, but but he's pretty bloody good. I think we're all aware of how good Kawhi Leonard is. Solomon Hill, no thank you. Let's talk power forwards. LaMarcus Aldridge at 6,900, been coming nowhere near that. I'll leave LaMarcus alone. I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Anthony Davis, I am marginally interested in. He's at 10,900, but with Boogie returning, I think 10,900 might be a little bit high, especially when it comes to a negative matchup against the Spurs. Now, on DraftKings, he is at 9,400, so that's a much better price. Definitely uh, definitely a better, uh, a better way to look at it and a better price tag, and I would be using Davis at that salary. I think he's a cash, and he, and he becomes a, a GPP guy as well. If we want to talk centers now, Boogie is at 9,900. Boogie hasn't really been slowed down in his time in uh, New Orleans, and he's done well against San Antonio in the past. Probably just want to look at him as a GPP guy, because there is still a little bit of unknown with the way that he's working with Davis, but I'm, I'm, all, I'm all okay for it. As for Dwayne Dedman, who remains starting... He's at 4,400. I'm not. I'm not really interested in that. Paul Gasol is the other center here. 6,300 is just too expensive for me. Now on DraftKings, Paul is at 54. 
there's a little bit of value in that. I think that that's GPP playable um, and maybe even consider power for cash at that sort of a salary. All right, let's uh, wrap this up with the last game of the night. We've got the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Clippers. Not the Clippers, sorry, the Lakers. I'm sure that's really insulting to all you Lakers fans. The Celtics are favored by 7.5, and and the total is 220.5 points. Let's talk point guards. D'Angelo Russell, 6,400. The dude's averaging 37 points the last three games. I really like Russell here. It's a great, great matchup for him. He's getting minutes. He's getting production. He's at 69 on DraftKings. I really like Russell. I think there's a ton of value. Jordy Clarkson, on the other hand, well, not even on the other hand, on the same hand, still great value. 5,000 for Clarko. He's averaging 26 across the last three. Hard to go past that. Now, on DraftKings, he's not quite as good at 5,400 Clarko, but he still definitely has some value on both sides. Now, on the other side, Isaiah Thomas is at 9,800. They jumped him up by $400. And yes, it's a really, really good matchup for Isaiah Thomas. But will he actually need to stay on the court for 35 minutes against the Lakers? The odds are going to say no. And that makes that sort of salary. It may be a little bit hard for him to achieve. achieve. At 9,300 on DraftKings, I feel a bit better about it. And I feel pretty good about him over there. But at that extra extra 500 bucks on FanDuel, I'm not, I'm not there for it. At shooting guard, Marcus Smart. 5000 bucks, a big reduction, but his numbers have also reduced a little bit as well. So I'm not interested in Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley likely to be on a minutes restriction again. No thanks. Uncle P is always just a GPP guy. At small forward, Brandon Ingram is getting a lot of minutes. He's not doing anything with him, but he's getting a lot. He's averaged 39 minutes a game in the last three and putting up 22 points. But at 3800 I think that he's worth a look. Definitely a GPP player. Um, on DraftKings at 4800 that's too expensive. I wouldn't want to take that punt on him at that sort of a salary. Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder for Boston. Crowder had a good game in the last one, but he's at 6100 I'm not interested there. Same with Jalen Brown at his uh, 3800 salary. I just don't think he's going to get enough minutes to be useful. At Power 4, Julius Randle had a big game in the last one. 63 points, huge. One thing we know is we can't trust Julius Randle to do that on a game-by-game basis. He is That 6300 is a big, big salary for a guy that is as up and down as he is. But that's why you look at him as a GPP-only guy. Maybe he goes off again. Most likely he doesn't. But if he goes off, he can go off in a very big way. And that's what makes him a useful player. Larry Nance, Amir Johnson, I don't think there's much to see with those guys. At center, Al Horford is down to 6000 bucks now. And despite scoring under 10 points in the last game, had 36 points. 10 real points, 36 fangible points. Really getting it done in the other categories. I like the value there for Al. At 62 on DraftKings, I'm not quite as into it, but I still think that, especially against a Lakers team that has allowed centers to go off against them this year, Horford is is in a good spot. If it's a Zubats, strictly a tournament guy because they did they keep saying they want to boost his minutes and then keep giving him fewer minutes. He's at 3,500 on Fangel and 36 on DraftKings. If he gets 26 minutes, and he's going to eclipse that very easily. But I don't know that he's going to get those sort of minutes, and that's the concern. All right, that uh, does it for all the games. Let's talk about picks of the day now. On Fangio, we've got Jordy Clarkson at 5,000, Brogos at 52, and Johnny Wall at 9,900 at shooting guard. JJ Riddick, 43, Devin Booker, 62, and at small forward, Brandon Ingram, 38, Chrissy Middleton, 53, and LeBron at 10, 8. Power forward, Rishon Holmes, 46, Nerlens Noel, 53, and Blake Griffin, 97. And at center, Kylo Quinn, 49, Al Horford, 6,000, and Boogie at 9,9. On DraftKings, Darren Williams, 4,000, D'Angelo Russell, 69, and Isaiah Thomas, 93. 
Shooting guard Tabo Cephalosha, 36. Brogos at 56 and DeRozan's at 89. The small forwards Kent Bazemore, 4,000. Bob Cobb's at 72 and Yarny's at 10,000. At power forward Trevor Booker, 43. Dirk at 53 and Boogie at 92. And the centers Nerlens Noel, 47. DeAndre Jordan, 7,000. And Anthony Davis, 9,400. For the Aussie sides, Moneyball, Jeremy Lin, 3,800. D'Angelo Russell, 64. And Russ at 13,1. For shooting guards, Chris Middleton, 35. If you're playing cash on Moneyball and don't play Chris Middleton, you are going to lose. Malcolm Brogdon, 55. And DeMar DeRozan, 91. At small forward, Terrence Ross, 4,000. The Pencil at 6,800. And LeBron at 10,9. At power forward, Rishon Holmes, 39. Serge Ibaka, 62. And Blake at 98. And the centers, Alex Len, 41, Nerlens Noel, 54, and Hassan Whiteside, 82. On draft stars, Alec Burks at 5,000, Brogos at 8.050, and Isaiah Thomas, 17.2. Shooting guards, Karis Levert, 5.150, Chris Middleton, 10.1, and Kawhi at 14.9. Small forwards, Tarbos at 5.9, Sharich is at 11.7, and LeBron at 19.4. At power forward, Alan Williams, 5.250, Serge is at 11.450, and Blakey Griffin's at 16.8. And the centers, Yun Mahinmi, 5150, Rishon Holmes, 84, and Demarcus Cousins, 18,300. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it and leave a review if you could. That would be fantastic. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Derek Rose. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. You are a mighty fortress of supreme knowledge. Progressive Direct has not only revealed their rates, but those of their competitors. If you were any more in the know, you would be drowning in, you know, the know. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates because knowledge is power. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.